highlights the importance of black women uh, to the church and to the total liberation struggle. What time is it? Then let the black nation rise. Then let the black nation rise. What I'm going to say will be in two parts. The first part will be talking about black women in the struggle, and it's called Queens of the Universe, because black women be queens. If they could just see their beauty, you see. We black women have been called many things. Foxes, matriarchs, sapphires, sisters, and recently, queens. I would say that black women have been a combination of all them words, because if we examine our past history at one time or another, we've had to be like them words be saying. But today, there are some roads we can discard. There be some we must discard for our own survival, for our own sanity, for the contributions we must make to our emerging black nation. And what, how he, we must move to as the only queens of this universe to sustain, keep our sanity in this insane, messed up, die-conscious, pill-taken, masochistic, mis-and-orientated society gots to be dealt with. Cause that's us. You all hear me? Us. Black women. The only queens of this universe. Even though we be stepping unqueenly sometimes. Like it ain't easy being a queen in this unrighteous world full of Miss Anns and Mr. Anns. But we steady trying. Women have been uh, traditionally, historically, uh, tremendously important to any oppressed people. In a sense of making it possible for an oppressed people to survive making it possible for them to pass on uh, some of the traditions and culture of a people when uh, the existence of a man was seriously threatened from, from day to day and from week to week and month to month. And so really for that reason, we uh, called the, the church the Shrine of the Black Madonna to symbolize not only the religious significance of Mary as the mother of Jesus, but the significance of all black women and the generations of struggle and sacrifice that black women have made in making it possible for black people to survive and come to this day. It's also important that we realize that in this day the, the uh, role of black women has changed because we're much more clear about what uh, the uh, liberation struggle is all about and black women have the task now of creating uh, young black people, black children and black adults who can participate in, the, in a liberation struggle that seeks for independence and for freedom and for community control and the things which are important to people who are seriously engaged in liberation. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another segment of Meninge Trois. I'm your hostess, Keeks, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast. What's up, y'all? I hope y'all have been doing great. Better yet, I hope, how have y'all been feeling about this For the Culture series? I know I've had some people come up to me and tell me, yo, I love it, sis, keep going. Man, you, y'all really come up with the heat. Actually, man, I, I just want to say again, I appreciate the love and the support, but this is only the second week. And I know February is a short month, but we're going to keep it going. So I appreciate the love and the support I've been receiving. And before I get into anything else, let me go ahead and introduce my very special guest. You all should know her by now and be following her on her social media and be following her podcast, Nature Valley. Hi, guys. How are you? Girl, I'm okay. Today's been rough, but it's okay. Hey, man, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it, love. Hopefully with this wisdom and this very um, intellectual conversation that can help boost your spirits up. Yes, ma'am. I look forward to it. Yes, ma'am. I also wanted to let you know that um, one of my brothers, he asked about me. He asked about you today. He was like, yo, who is that? Aww. I was like, oh, yeah, that's my, that's my friend. You know, I'm so sad. You know, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah. She, 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 she he, he pimp, he peeped the, the revolutionary, you know, coming out. So he appreciates your knowledge and your wisdom, love. Aww. I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. 
No problem. So I'm going to go ahead and get into these formalities, you guys, as you all should already be doing. Follow me on social media at Meningetwa. You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. And you can follow me on Instagram at Meningetwa. So make sure y'all follow me and subscribe. Some people don't know how to subscribe to my podcast. So I'm probably going to post a video on Instagram to show everybody how you can subscribe to my channel my channel huh not youtube so you can subscribe to my podcast um on anchor and other platforms just so everybody has that knowledge and that information so that's that also make sure y'all follow my love my girl nature valley follow her on social media and also make sure you follow her podcast at i just want to fucking know Again, you can find her podcast on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Breaker, Stitcher, all that. At I Just Want to Fucking Know. And you can follow her podcast Twitter account at IJWTFK. Again, that is IJWTFK. Make sure y'all follow my love. Um, Another thing, make sure y'all listen to my recent episode the previous episode and if you listen to this one you definitely gonna love this one because we come up with some more information and knowledge for you all and follow my new podcast team sfa charlotte s.f.a.charlotte again you can find our podcast on anchor apple podcast google podcast breaker stitcher cast box pocket cast all that make sure y'all follow s.f.a.charlotte we just dropped a new episode actually um talking about black love make sure y'all check that out so enough of all the amount the announcements i like getting through all the announcements then i'm like okay now i can finally get into the, the meat of this thing so what are we going to be talking about today you want to introduce the topic nature yes, valley yeah. so today we will be talking about womanism versus feminism Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This one for the ladies. This one for the ladies. This one is for the men, too, because a lot of men, you know, some guys probably would say that they are feminists. But, you know, this this one, let's just say this one is for everybody. Um, So what inspired me to talk about womanism and feminism is because, I mean, I feel like a lot of people may have a slight understanding and maybe even a full understanding of what feminism is, but no one really knows about what womanism is. So I really wanted to talk about the difference between the two and really just give you all a historical background about them and talk about why it's important that we have movements as such, especially today. So that's what we're going to talk about. So let's go ahead and get to it. So the core questions that we're going to be answering in this episode is, what is womanism? What is feminism? Are they similar? If so, in what ways? In what ways are they different? And why is there a need for deliberate advocacy and support for Black women? Why is that necessary? Why have a womanist movement if there's already a feminist one? What is mule womanhood? And Women, we should honor and thank for the feminist and womanist movements. Those are our core questions. And I'm going to try to order the, try to answer, we're going to try to answer those questions in order. But if not, it's all right. You know, y'all's going to get the, the wisdom and the knowledge either way. So let's go ahead. I want to start off talking about feminism first, um, just because I like, I want to close out the episode talking about womanism. So I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a historical context about feminism and the feminist movement. So for those of you who do not know, a synopsis of what the feminist movement is, it's a movement that is supposed to be inclusive to women and supporting their political rights, their economic uh, rights, and um, basically advocating for women in all ways possible so women can be able to express themselves politically, um, socially, sexually, um, physically, without, in all, as many ways possible, without having their um, identities being controlled by 
another person and more specifically without having their identities and their bodies being controlled by men because within our society a lot of times our narratives and at least in um, relation to women they're published by men so that's why we had the start of the feminist movement so the feminist movement was initiated by an american feminist philosopher by the name of no not a a feminist philosopher by um she was a writer her name is elizabeth caddy stanton and she started as a writer for the feminist movement she first spoke about the lack of fundamental uh the lack of rights for women in her book declaration of sentiments and this book was presented at a convention in 1948 and another um, important face in relation to the feminist movement is going to be someone else by the name of Susan B. Anthony and she pretty much served as the strategic the strategist and the public speaker of the feminist movement so pretty much you had Elizabeth Cady Stanton right doing all the writing and publications and things like that and then Susan B. Anthony did all the talking and presentations and all that kind of stuff so what inspired these women to start the feminist movement is because again they noticed that there were rights that women didn't have that men did women were women did not have the right to vote women did not have the right to own property um and they did not have the right to own property after marriage women did not have the right to um have custody of their children and really women didn't have many freedoms in society and a lot of times women were kind of forced to stay in relationships with men even when the men were abusive to them they weren't allowed i mean they were they they could try to escape and get out of those relationships but they wouldn't have the support that they need to you know look after their families and look after themselves so a lot of times women stayed in their relationships with these men who are abusive to them because they knew that without them they wouldn't be able to they wouldn't have as much support they wouldn't be able to provide for themselves and um it all goes hand in hand. So like even in just having a job and trying to work, it's more than just having a job and saving money and paying bills. There's so much more that goes into it, especially when you have kids. Um, So they really wanted to create a movement that would support women in that aspect and give them those rights that they deserve. So the feminist movement, again, advocated for the right to vote, uh, property rights for women, custody of children, economic rights for married women and widows and divorce reform laws uh, at the beginning of the civil war. So talking too fast. Um, Stanton ran for Congress in 1866, but she did not succeed in being voted in probably because I mean, I think this is kind of obvious, but at that time women were not allowed to vote. So I think she only received 26 votes out of the, I want to say it was like 1,022 or something along the lines of that. So basically because she didn't get voted in, she was not elected for Congress. Um, So even though she wasn't elected for Congress, she chose to take another route and still advocate for women. So she proposed the Anti-Slavery Society, which was an organization that was intended to support both white and black women. And what I mean by supporting women, as in supporting their rights in relation to both black and white women. It's important that we say that. Let's Let's just emphasize that. So from that organization, she created the American Equal Rights Association, which was an organization that was split in uh, it split in 1868 when both Stanton and Anthony chose to advocate for women's rights instead of the rights for black men. Now, I'm going to really try to describe this the best way I can, because I promise y'all in reading this and researching this, I was just kind of I was kind of confused, but I think I got a good understanding of it all. So basically, once this organization was created, there were some members of the movement that supported the 14th Amendment. 
So some of the women that were a part of this American Equal Rights Association, they supported the the 14th Amendment, which at that time did not recognize African-Americans as citizens despite their freedom. So right there, that should ring a bell because it's like, okay, well, this is supposed to be a movement that's supposed to be inclusive to black and white women. How can some of you support the 14th Amendment with that within itself is not inclusive to black people, especially black women? So by people advocating for the 14th Amendment, that basically would continue to neglect and not recognize uh, African-Americans as citizens within the nation. And another piece of research that I found was that in trying to advocate for women's rights, I guess Stanton had faced some type of, I don't know what's the term I'm looking for, but I guess some type of struggle where it was like she tried advocating for women, but politicians kind of proposed this idea where it's like, okay, well, we either are going to advocate for women or we're going to, no, not advocate. We're going to pay attention to women's rights and this whole women's rights movement, or we're going to pay attention to the suffrage of African-Americans, but they did not, they weren't being, they weren't recognizing both. It was like, you either have one or you have the other, but we're not going to pick both. Either it's going to be the women's movement or it's going to be African-Americans. So when they made changes to the 14th, well, when they were trying to make changes to the 14th amendment, they were basically going to change the terminology, which would, uh, implement the term male into the constitution and by adding male to the constitution that will be inclusive to african-american men not women because again if they were uh, acknowledging women they will use male and female or female but they were only going to use male so again they were advocating or it was like a divide between okay either we're going to have this movement that's going to be supportive to women, or we're going to have this movement that is going to be supportive to black men. And another thing that was, uh, I guess, very, maybe it was very tangible for for politicians is that, okay, well, we can't have this movement that's going to be inclusive to women because if they're being inclusive to women, then they're also being inclusive to black women. So, if we do that, then we also have to recognize that, oh, well, now we have to see black women as citizens. So either way it goes, they're going to have to ter- change the terminology within the um, within the amendment. So I just found that to be so interesting, especially because they didn't feel that they were able to support both, that you had to have one or the other. And I feel like there's more reasons behind that, you know, because a lot of people within that time and within society, they they were not trying to change their perspectives and trying to see black people as people and, you know, basically get rid of their racist ideas and all of that. So um, I digress. I'm not going to go into all of that. But yeah, so basically, OK. You had this American Equal Rights Association And then it's split because basically you had some people who was a part of this association that supported the 14th Amendment and that created a divide within the group. So once that created a divide, then two more groups were created after the group had already split. You had the National Women's Suffrage Association and you had the American Women's Suffrage Association. The American Women's Suffrage Association advocated for women but they did not include racial issues within their program. Um, And they supported passing the 15th Amendment, which would give give black men the right to vote, even if women were explicitly excluded. And... With both of these groups, Stanton chose to advocate for her feminist. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. 
Stanton chose to support her feminist group and advocate for white women. So in doing more research on this, I basically found that after the group had split, Stanton had created this separate group. Um, I believe it was the National Woman Suffrage Association. And in creating this group, you know, she did receive some support from some people. And there was this one wealthy Democrat who uh, um, she received a lot of financial support from. His name was... George, yeah, George Train. And even though he was very wealthy, you know, he supported her movement, he was very racist. So basically, in receiving, in receiving support from him, maybe she felt like she had to turn to his ways or just kind of side with him to um, get her to further her own agenda you know and being an advocate for women whatever the case is but at the end of the day that's what she chose and I don't know I feel like she wouldn't choose that just to further her own agenda maybe she actually was racist you know what I'm saying like especially if you try to present yourself as being oh okay I'm gonna be all for women and all for women and all for women but then if it comes to a point where it's like okay well I can't be all for women no I well no if me being all for women means I have to be racist or be exclusive to some extent then I'm going to do that just so I can just so I can get my privilege so if this doesn't affect me as a white woman then I'm gonna do what I gotta do so I can get my rights as a white woman I don't have to worry about race so I don't even got to deal with that that's what I think her mentality was um but again that's just me um, before I even move forward, uh, Nature Valley, would you like to add anything? Yeah, just bouncing on the last statement you said, I think it's important to note that it may not have even been a personal choice. I mean, I think ultimately it came down to her choosing, like you said, either like because woman didn't include black woman, like woman is white. You know what I mean? Right. So right. it was like, I have to choose woman. I can't include racial quote-unquote like undertones or what have you so I'm just going to choose the woman since this is my cause anyway like I feel like it wasn't essential to the cause it was like an extra perk and so if she had to get rid of it like you were saying she could just get rid of it because it wasn't a part of her original um uh mission right and see, I had heard about this. Like, I heard people saying, oh, the feminist movement isn't even supportive to black women. So you guys should do your research. So I'm like, okay, well, I am going to do my research. And I'm going to find out what y'all talking about and see what's really going on. So I do find that to be very interesting. And then they actually, um, in some of my research, I also saw that Stanton had her own newspaper. I forget what it's called. I think it was the Revolutionaire or something. I don't know. Um, but... Basically, she started to write racist articles within her newspaper. And again, like, it could have been, oh, well, you know, she had a really hard decision to make. You know, either I'm going to support women or I'm going to be racist. And or it could also be because, like we said, because she didn't have to worry about racial identity as a white woman, she could just stick to her racist ways and be racist and receive more support because a lot of people at that time were racist. Um, so that's pretty much the feminist movement, you guys. Um, let's move on to womanism. What's up, y'all? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to take a minute of your time. Are you based in Charlotte? Are you looking for dessert catering for a party, an event, or even a late night snack? I know I have just what you need. One name at Mo Made It underscore desserts. What better way to satisfy your sweet craving and get lit than with some Hennessy cupcakes? Got a sweet tooth? She has anything and everything you need. Y'all, I'm talking cupcakes, cakes, chocolate covered strawberries, chocolate covered pretzels, cake pops, brownies, cupcake jars. You name it, she got it. And she does custom orders. And she's super affordable. I can guarantee your taste buds will be satisfied. Make sure y'all follow my show me on Instagram at mo made it underscore desserts. 
That is at M-O-M-A-D-E-I-T underscore desserts. Go to her for all of your baked goods needs. Oh, and one more thing. Tell her Keek sent you. Alrighty. Womanism, womanist is a fairly new term. The term arose around the 1980s and basically it was a term that was created to be inclusive to black women to be supportive of their not only their um, gender identities as women but to also be inclusive to their racial identities and their sexual identities and that's one thing that the feminist movement does not have the feminist movement only acknowledges the gender identities and the um, inequalities between the sexes whereas the womanist movement is more inclusive to women and recognizing them in the gender context um, in relation to their sexuality and also in relation to their racial identities so this term was created by the very infamous infamous I struggle with saying that word for some odd reason the very infamous did I say that right? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> okay, thank you. Alice Walker. And she's a very famous writer. And she wrote about, she introduced the term womanism in her book. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? In Search of Our Mother's Garden. And when she created this term, she basically defined it as womanish and this is a quote by the way womanish the opposite of girlish being grown up a black feminist or feminist of color a woman who loves other women sexually and or non-sexually appreciates and prefers women's culture women's emotional flexibility values tears as natural counterbalance of laughter and women's strength Sometimes loves individual men sexually and or non-sexually. And again, that was uh, Alice Walker's slight introduction to womanism. And you can find that in her book, In Search of Our Mother's Garden. And like I said, womanism identifies and analyzes racism, sexism, sexuality, and I would even say classism. It recognizes the intersectionality of various social identities and it embraces them and it also recognizes the struggles that come with the clashing of these various identities and again black women needed this because the feminist movement did not recognize their racial identities like we were saying they either had to choose between okay women's rights or black men like you have the gender and then you have the racial plus the gender So that's where the intersectionality comes to play. Um, And really, this was just a movement that was to be inclusive to black women and understanding their and being black women. And I found another uh, definition that's more it's less poetic. So you could say Um, and this is a definition that comes from the American Heritage Dictionary. It defines womanism or a womanist as, quote, having or expressing a belief in or respect for women and their talents and abilities beyond the boundaries of race and class, exhibiting feminism that is inclusive, especially of black American culture, end quote. And then I also have a few examples of womanists that you can do your research on and read about them and read some of their work because they're just really amazing people. You have Alice Walker, Sojourner Truth and Audre Lorde. I love Audre Lorde, by the way. Oh my gosh, I adore her. But that's pretty much the definition of womanism and the womanist movement. I mean, of womanism, not the movement. And I also have a few books that I, I can give to you guys that tells you a bit about womanism. Ain't I a Woman by Bell Hooks. In Search of Our Mother's Gardens. Woman is Prose by Alice Walker. When and Where I Enter 
The Impact of Black Women on Race and Sex in America by Paula J. Giddings. Homegirls, a Black Feminist Anthology by Barbara Smith. I added Black Feminist Thought because that book would child when Dr. Cook's put girl when Dr. Cook put girl mm, you already know you already know black feminist thought y'all it will mm-hmm. child it's like going to church let's just say that um but that's pretty much all I have about womanism and the womanist movement so nature valley mm-hmm. what's your take on womanism right so just briefly I did like a quick google search um kind of the attack on the black female body because I feel like that has a lot to do with why the womanist movement started um and I think it's it's really sad and it's messed up because at the end of the day like even just going back briefly to um I can't remember the the lady's name you mentioned before but the woman who's responsible for feminism like she still had mm-hmm. to respond to like ultimately the choice was the man's, you know what I mean? So right. who knows? Like, I don't know ultimately if she would have chosen, you know, uh, you know, rights for all women, like black women, white women, whoever, but ultimately the choice was still up to the white man. And I think in the man. context of like woman, womanism, it, it's like our oppressor and womanism or whatever, like the battle that we're fighting is still the same. It's like still patriarchy. So I looked mm-hmm. up this um, article on Google um, and it's, it's called how living in a black female body incites perpetual attack. And hmm. it just talks briefly about like the attack on the black woman from like a young age, like, the earliest age they mention is five, and they mention five because five is like the age where you gain consciousness or whatever, according to some psychologists or whatever. But um, it's talking about how this five-year-old girl was put into handcuffs for throwing a tantrum. Like, if there were a white girl or whatever, or a white child white girl child I can't think of the word <laughs> a white young girl <laughs> in the store and she was throwing a tantrum she would be seen as just a girl throwing a tantrum maybe she has some reasonable insight on why she's throwing a tantrum whatever, whatever. right but immediately the white cops who saw this young girl in the store saw her as a threat by throwing a tantrum like by being upset and throwing emotion like showing emotion she was a threat immediately And then there was also um, a part of the womanist movement as well as a part of the feminist movement is kind of like owning a right to being like to existing as a woman and in the womanist case as a black woman or a woman of color. Um, And it's like a part of being a black woman is having like this different distinct culture from being a white woman. And so also in this article, it talks about how some teenage black girls were in school. I mean, and we've we've heard of this anyway, but. Teenage black girls in school, they were wearing braids and they got suspended and they were even facing like being completely withdrawn from the school. Um, For where? Hold on, Mm, let me find it. Wearing braids, let me find it. You guys can look up this um, article. It's called Black Malden Character Students or Charter Students Punished for Braided Hair Extensions. It's on um, bostonglobe.com. And this is a recent article. It was published in May of 2017, so it's not too long ago. But I feel like we need movements like womanism so that we can just reassure our black girls and stuff like that. Like, you can show emotion. You can be fully human. Yes. You can have a tantrum. Yes. You can have that. If you want to wear your hair a certain way, you can have that. Like, I think the purpose of womanism outside of the politics of it which is very important is socially too and like on a personal level just like mm. reminding us that we have the right to exist and yes. like have the right to exist fully and not just as like a product of the patriarchal society that we're in like it's kind of retorting the idea that white feminism has like okay like we're trying to prove that we are valuable and blah 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 in the man in the white man's eyes as an opposite of white men or whatever like womanism is embracing like all of I don't know what like what it means to be a woman what it means to be a woman of color like you said all yes. of these intersectional things what it means to be a poor woman of color what it means to be a black woman of color like it's all inclusive whereas feminism was kind of just exclusive to a particular white narrow group 
Um, and I think, um, yeah, I think it's just really sad that the idea of having to form a group outside of what your society when it's supposed to be right. inclusive exactly excuse me outside of what your society has like the idea of having to have the need for a womanist movement outside of a feminist movement is kind of just like okay dang like why it just kind of brings up the question again and kind of like lets you know that America is completely racialized like you couldn't have you couldn't possibly exist in America without a feminist and a womanist movement because there's still the black and white dichotomy so you have to have both of them I think it's interesting that is man that that and that's so unfortunate like I and that's another reason why I had made that a core question because I know some people are going to ask well we have a feminist movement why do we have to have a womanist movement because that racial impact and not even just a racial impact not just a racial component but the sexual component as well because um again, the feminist movement only acknowledges one aspect of a social identity, and that's being a woman. It doesn't acknowledge that you are a woman of color. It doesn't acknowledge that you are a homosexual woman of color. It doesn't acknowledge that you are a transgender woman of color. And I also want to reiterate that the womanist movement is not just for black women. It's for women of color. And again, it acknowledges you it acknowledges your various identities, not just within your racial identity, but also your sexual identity and your um, gender identity. So you, it's, it's not even just about being a woman. I also feel that the womanist movement um, acknowledges various social identities, whether you identify as, I'm trying to think. I'm not, I don't remember, I don't know too many, um, term, I don't know too much of the terminology when it comes to gender fluidity, but I do feel as though the womanist movement is inclusive to that. And it, it, it acknowledges the struggles and the hardships that comes with those identities. And it was something else that you said, Nature Valley, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember. I'll come back to it. It'll probably come back to me. But yes, I would like to uh, highlight that point. So basically, if you are a woman of color and you don't feel like you can identify with the feminist movement, you do have a movement that is more inclusive to who you are um, as a person. Oh, and another thing I wanted to add is that one thing I do respect about the womanist movement is that I feel like it's such a strong sisterhood. And it really encourages sisterhood and I don't even want to say sisterhood because I feel like that's not completely gender fluid um but just the relationships that are born out of that I feel like that is so amazing and so beautiful and just to be able to have that love within that is just so powerful Mm -hmm. that's all I have on that um so next We're going to talk about, well, Nature Valley, I'm going to let her lead the conversation on this one, talking about mule womanhood. Yeah, so briefly, um, mule womanhood is this idea that we were introduced to in in our university by our great professor, Dr. Cook. It's actually a term that he coined on his own, um, but gathered from a few different authors. So we have um, a quote here from Zora Neale Hurston provided by Keeks, and it says, um, the nigger woman is the mule of the world, <laughs> so far as I can see. Okay, so it's important that I read it like that because, first of all, it's written in, like, a dialect that is, oh, man, how do I explain this? It's like a southern, almost like a broken English kind of southern, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That's probably not even the right way to say it, but... but- the point I was trying to make, like, yeah, it's like a dialect that is usually frowned upon, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Like, if someone, if a black person or anyone was um, typically to talk like that, it would be frowned upon. But it's important that she included this dialect, Zora Neale Hurston included this dialect in her literary piece because it kind of exhausts it to a piece of art and kind of like distinctifies it just as valuable as any other day like I just wanted to point that out because in itself it's like a black woman exalting the black culture in another way that isn't typically um mentioned but whatever 
But just to focus on what she's saying, the black woman is the mule of the world. So you kind of have to think about it. Like, what does that mean? So if you think of a mule, you think of a pack animal, like you put all your right. heavy items on there. You pretty much like use it to carry around all of the things that you aren't able to carry around or just don't want to carry it around. Mm. It's, like a, it's like a living car or a living storage type of thing. And so like when you compare the black women to the the black women to the mule of the world, it's because we have this huge burden that not only is put on us, but that we have to continue to uphold, like, because we exist as Black women, solely because we exist as Black women. And some of that, um, some examples of that would be having to essentially advocate for, like, the Black, the womanist movement is a movement for women of color and, and white or Black women or whatever. But oftentimes you get challenged, like, okay, well, why is a white woman not whatever, whatever, or why is, like, it not inclusive to this or to that or whatever. Right. We have to bear everyone's feelings. We have to bear everyone's, like, perspectives. We have to, like, not only carry our own weight that is forced on us by being in a land that isn't ours, having a dialect that isn't ours, all of that stuff, but also being forced to bury all of everyone else's, like, baggage so a white woman's baggage is that she is not going to be equal to a white man and so we get the backlash of not being equal to a black man or a white man or whatever or does that make sense like a white woman not being Mm -hmm. a white man like we get that backlash and I'm just thinking of an example like back in slavery times the white masters or whatever would come in and rape the white or not the white women the black women or whatever and, you know, have the black woman bear a child. And instead of the white woman being like, not even anti her husband, but just questioning that authority that he has to do something like that, the black mm-hmm. woman then becomes the target. Like, oh, what did you, you know, do to possess him to do this and blah, blah, blah. And right. As like a being that who has, who has literally just been raped, undignified, dehumanized, the whole entire thing. And then you are like, placing not only your own insecurities, but placing the weight of what it means to be a white woman on what it means to be a black woman on top of what it means to be black. And that is exactly what black mule womanhood is. It's like bearing the weight of the white woman, bearing the weight of the white man, also bearing the weight of the black man and also bearing the weight of other black women. Because like within our own communities, like, like I said, it's a racialized society. So, Black men are getting shit from white men all the time and white women. And, you know, like everyone is on the back of a white uh, of a black man, but then they come home to their families and they bring that to the home and you see like them take it out on the black woman. And and just to give an example, I have a very dear friend um, who was recently in a very abusive relationship with her it's important to note that they're both black, um, her black boyfriend or whatever. Um, and essentially it escalated because he was having a hard time at his job. He works in a predominantly white, um, what do you call it? Uh, I don't corporate office or whatever, just, you know, being a black person in a, in a white corporate office per usual or whatever. And he was getting a lot of backlash. Like, oh, why are you talking like this? Oh, why are you dressed like this? Oh, why is your hair locked up? Oh, why this and that? And he would come home, home very angry. And it would get to a point where she would be like, okay, like, what's wrong? Like having to, like, she would have hard days too. And I would be the person to listen, you know, but she couldn't confide in her boyfriend or whatever, because he was a black man who was also facing um, trivial shit at work from non-black people. And so he would come home and bring that to her. So it's kind of just like, the point I'm trying to make is like, that's just kind of a microcosm. Like he would come home from being abused by the world and he would then abuse his black woman um, mm. as a direct effect of being abused by everyone else. And so it's like, she had to bury mm. that like 
burden of being a black woman, having to be a confidant. And then on top of having to be a confidant, having to take the abuse from everyone, the backlash from her boyfriend being treated, mistreated by everyone else. You know what I mean? So it's like black women, just to reinforce, because I know I'm talking in circles, but like black women are not only the mules of white men. And they're not only the mules of white women, they're the mules of black men. And then there's even this quote in like this Beyonce song, if y'all like Beyonce or whatever. Uh, no, this isn't even right. Everybody not, like Beyonce. Right, but she, I would say that she brought it back up into media, but of course it was an old quote. I can't remember who it was by, but I think it was Malcolm X. But it was basically just saying black women are the most mistreated individual in America. Like because we oh, yeah, that's Malcolm so X. much. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was Malcolm X. But she put it in her one, <laughs> one of her songs and it kind of made people like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But just to make it a pop culture reference, like if y'all never heard it from Malcolm X, y'all heard it from Beyonce, you know, like black women are the most abused woman in America. And then we don't have the right or not even the right. We don't have the allotted space to be anything except for that like we have to accept all of that we have to continue to be the mule and you notice that a mule doesn't really like they can't speak English or whatever they can't communicate that they are hurting they can't communicate that they are maybe being weighed down or whatever whatever and you don't really know until they die and then you see oh like what was the cause of her death stress hypertension heart attack whatever it may be why does she have those issues because she is literally carrying the weight of the entire world on her shoulders oh you oh yes 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 and to to everything you said and I like how you reference how you mentioned that Beyonce quoted Mm -hmm. Malcolm X because you know sometimes people like oh my gosh like yeah I mean you know give all credit to B yes but that was definitely Malcolm X just so everybody know um but there was something else that I wanted to uh add and everything that you hit on was definitely head on nail to the to the the hammer to the head of the nail like dead dead on but um I guess I don't know if this is more so of a question or a statement but do you feel like the fact that a black woman had to create a movement that was inclusive to various Mm. social identities including I mean you know in addition to gender do you feel like that too could be like maybe i guess a metaphor of mule womanhood yes i meant to hit on that too it's literally the epitome of what mule womanhood we had to create a movement that was inclusive of everyone so that no one could feel left out because everyone else was leaving us out and everyone else was exactly it's literally the epitome of it that's why that's why i was trying to get out when i said like it's so sad that we kind of have to make up for everyone else's mistakes like make up for everyone and they're lacking and yeah Man, and I was thinking about this today because I was talking to one of my brothers today and I just he had mentioned Bag Lady by Erica Badu. And I know I've heard that song before, but in talking about it, I'm like, that is exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. If anybody knows that song or if you don't know that song, go and listen to Bag Lady by Erica Badu and read the lyrics. Because I feel like that, too, is a metaphor, a good metaphor for mule womanhood. Man. And you had, when you had mentioned how, um, you know, back then when black women would be raped by white men and how the white women would take their frustrations out on the black women, how black women had to deal with that. I also want to mention how, because I feel like, in mule womanhood another thing that comes with it is black women being a caretaker for everyone else that they have to mm-hmm. neglect their own needs yeah. and i feel like a, a example of that in relation to the context of that history is black women giving birth to a uh, a, a mixed mm-hmm. baby and having to breastfeed that baby and not feed her own children mm-hmm. or black women having to breastfeed white babies mm-hmm. that she didn't even bear having to breastfeed their babies instead of her own kids. And still not being considered a full human being. Exactly. Exactly. That is just a, a small, that's, that's just a minute piece of mule womanhood. But I feel like that 
is a, a an example that can kind of help people understand like how it works and I know Dr. Cook was saying the role of the black matriarch and why it's so important to have a black matriarch within the family because they hold the family together. And I know I remember being in class and he was saying how, excuse me, how grandmothers are so important in black families because they are like the glue that keeps the family together. But once the matriarch disappears, the family don't really stick no more. People don't come around no more. Man. Oh, man. Um, I also had, um, as an example of a black matriarch, the film Soul Food. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I really can't remember the storyline that much. But the grandmother in that movie, I feel like she's a good example of a black matriarch. Because you will see that after she dies, how the family kind of um, breaks off. Mm. So I also I just wanted to add those pieces uh, in addition to everything that Nature Valley said because like I said she had everything on the head I don't need to have and I don't got to add that's it <laughs> but um that's pretty much all that we have for you guys I feel like this was a very awesome episode I'm so proud that we're doing this we black women we yes. doing this like man I love this. I love this. I know some people was walking past looking at me like, what is she talking about? But it's all right. Um, but that's that's pretty much all we got for y'all. So we can go ahead and close out then. Once again, thank you, Nature Valley, for doing this with me. Of course. Thank you for the information, the wisdom, the intelligence, the conversation, everything. I really, really, really do appreciate it. And I know everybody going to be taken back by this <laughs> So, you know, some men, y'all might feel some, I don't, I don't, I don't even think y'all should feel some type of way after listening to this. If you feel some type of way after listening to this, it, you should feel some type of way to where you go home and you hug your lady, you hug your woman, you hug your mama, you hug your sisters, you hug your aunties, your grandma. You go and embrace them. You tell them that you love them and that you support them, and that you respect them. Because we don't get a lot of that. Especially from black men. So, for all my black men that's listening to this, make sure y'all do that. That's y'all homework for tonight. I need y'all to do y'all homework. But other than that, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. I would like to thank y'all for coming to get these spiritual vibrations for your mental stimulation. I have been your hostess, Keeks, and you have been listening to another segment of Meninge Trois. Oh, I can't even do that. I got to go ahead and uh, shout my love out <laughs> one more time. I am so sorry. I always like to okay. shout y'all to get it at the end. <laughs> Make sure y'all follow my love, Nature Valley. You can follow her podcast at I Just Want to Fucking Know. Available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Stitcher, all that. And you can follow her podcast Twitter account at IJWTFK. Again, that is at IJWTFK. Make sure y'all follow my love. Other than that. Y'all have a good night. You want to say something else, my love? Uh, good night, guys. Check your privilege, fellas. Check your privilege, yes. white people. And uh, love on a black woman today. <laughs> <laughs> and happy Black History happy Month. Because it's still yeah. Black History Month. Yes, Two weeks in this. Amen. But y'all have a good night. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And as Muslims, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us to respect our women and to protect our women. Then the only time a Muslim really gets real violent is when someone goes to molest his woman.